Hi, thanks for downloading the next chapter of The Butcher. I just wanted to let you know that if you want to buy the full audiobook at a discounted price, you can head over to nathanburrows.com forward slash audio. Alternatively, you can buy a full price copy at any audiobook store. The Butcher is also available on Kindle Unlimited, ebook and print format, all via Amazon. In the meantime, I hope you enjoy the story. Chapter 13 Frank whistled to himself as he closed up his butcher's shop for the day. What a day it had been as well. He had taken more by lunchtime than he had done in the last week. On a whim, he popped into the off-licence over the road from his shop and picked up a bottle of Prosecco to celebrate. His pockets bulging with cash, he was still whistling as he walked to the car. On the drive back to the farm, Frank thought about their finances. He sat down a couple of evenings ago and gone through them with a fine tooth comb. To say they were depressing reading was an understatement at best. He had tried various ways of rearranging the figures to make the numbers go upwards, but hadn't been able to come up with anything. Buying Boris had been a gamble, and if he was as fertile as he was supposed to be, then he could have some pork that actually belonged to them in a couple of months' time. Until then they were going to have to live off the profits of one of the boar's bride products and as much cheap meat as he could repackage. At least the money in his pockets would see them through the next couple of weeks if they ate frugally. Good evening, Thomas, Frank called as he walked in through the front door. His brother was only ever Thomas when Frank was in an excellent mood. To Frank's surprise, Tom was sitting, leaning back in one of the kitchen chairs, arms and legs crossed and a face like thunder. What's up with you, Tom? Frank asked, his good mood forgotten for a few seconds. Tom never got angry for more than about five minutes at a time. It just wasn't in his nature. And the idea that Tom had been sitting there stewing and waiting for Frank to come home was a foreign one. Tom didn't reply to Frank's question, but nodded at the stockpot on the stove. You could have told me what was in that, Tom said, his jaw clenched. Frank looked at the pot. One thing I was not expecting in a stock pot, Tom continued, was a fucking head. It wasn't right Tom to swear, Frank thought. The last time that had happened was after a particularly nasty accident when they were teenagers. The saddle of Tom's bike had detached as he'd gone over a ramp and the result had been bloody. Oh, sorry, I thought you'd worked that out. I've taken the teeth out and ground them down but I needed to soften up the hair so I could scrape it off properly. Frank looked at his brother's face and couldn't help himself. He started laughing. I'm sorry, mate, Frank said with a broad grin. Did it make you jump? Just a bit, Frank said, relaxing and leaning forward. I nearly shit myself. It wasn't just me, though. Some woman was around from the Environment Agency earlier. She wanted to look in it. Said it smelled lovely, she did. Now, that wouldn't have been good, Frank said, his smile faltering. What did you tell her? I said it was soup, Tom replied. This time they both laughed and continued laughing until Frank was almost crying. He couldn't even begin to imagine what would have happened if the woman from the Environment Agency had looked in the pot. But it wouldn't have been good. When they calmed down, Frank turned to Tom. Have you got the paperwork she left? Tom walked over to the sideboard and picked up the thin file 
passing it to Frank. He looked at it carefully, reading the card stapled to the top corner of the pages. Frank fished in his pocket to get the card that had been given earlier in the week. Sure enough, it was the same woman, Emily Underwood. Did she say much? Not really. Did she say when they were coming back for the inspection then? Frank asked. No, Tom replied. Frank was pretty sure that Tom wouldn't have had an extended conversation with her anyway. He leafed through the paperwork, noting all the things the farm had been marked down for at the previous inspection. I think we've got most of these covered, Tom. Besides, there's not a lot for them to inspect at the moment anyway. Same in the bloody butchers. Frank looked at the stopbot on the stove. Of course, there's always a chance they might find something new to moan about. The two brothers sat in silence for a few moments before Tom pointed at the bottle of Prosecco on the kitchen table. What's that for? he asked Frank. Nearly forgot about that. We're celebrating, little brother, Frank smiled and pulled wads of banknotes out of his coat pockets, spreading them on the kitchen table. Look at this lot. Blimey, Tom said. Did you get lucky on the horses or something? Nope. Sausages, Frank replied. Sold a bloody lot. At one point, there was a queue outside the door for them. Frank watched Tom's eyes widen. I've never known them shift that fast. Mrs Timmings bought some for a lunch and then got on the blower to a bunch of her mates when she'd had them. They came out of the woodwork like no one's business. I've even sold all the bone mill to that weird bloke who runs the allotments. He'll probably sell it on at a profit, but he's happy and we're happy. As Frank walked over to the fridge to put the Prosecco in, there was a knock at the door. Can you get that, Tom? He called to his brother. Tom disappeared, and a few seconds later, Frank heard him call his name. Frank? Yeah, coming, Frank replied. It's probably the bloody woman from the environment agents again. Frank was sure that Tom would have told her to come back once he's back from the butchers. Paperwork wasn't Tom's strongest point. Frank got to the door to see a man in a white coat standing on the doorstep. Frank didn't know his name, but he recognised the delivery man from the slaughterhouse. At least it wasn't the environment agency woman. But there was no reason for him to be here in the evening unless there was some sort of problem. Frank wondered for a second whether the delivery man's visit was connected to the woman visiting earlier. The last thing Frank needed was some sort of problem with the slaughterhouse. He'd heard of farmers going under when slaughterhouses they used got closed down because of tainted stock from over the channel or something like that. I'm really sorry, Mr Pinch, the visitor said. Frank started to get a sinking feeling in the pit of his stomach. Whatever the delivery man was here for, it wasn't to deliver good news. The bloody van broke down. Sorry, what? Frank was confused. What's that got to do with me? Your delivery, the delivery man replied. That's why it's late. No, it's not. Uh, yes, it is. The man from the slaughterhouse was wringing his hands together. It's in the back of the van. Frank could feel his heart start to thud in his chest. He was starting to get really worried. I couldn't deliver the meat this morning because the van was knackered. Are you sure it's my delivery? 100% Mr Pinch. Can you just leave it in the yard please? We'll get to it in a minute, he said in a quiet voice before he closed the door in the face of the delivery driver. Frank turned to Tom 
and spoke in a fierce whisper. Tom, if the meat wasn't delivered this morning, what did you make the sausages from? I thought it had been delivered, and that you had taken the prime cuts off, like you normally do, Tom replied, his bottom lip quivering. Christ, you realise what you've done, don't you? Frank asked Tom, even though he knew the answer. If they didn't deliver the meat this morning, what did you make those sausages out of? Tom glanced across at the stockpot on the stove, the colour draining from his face. Oh, crikey, Tom whispered. I feel sick. You and me both, Tom. You and me both. Hi again. Nathan Burrows here. Thanks for listening. Just a quick reminder, if you're interested in buying the full audiobook, head to nathanburrows.com forward slash audio or any audiobook store.